we are now live. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I am Kenyatta L. Gordon with Create the Brand um, Communications, sales, sales Communications, and Leadership Consultant. And I am a huge believer in helping others to succeed in business and to create legacies. You know, I'm an advocate for the professionals, for employees and everything. And so now we have Create the Brand platform where I'll be here helping you guys with all the tips, business tips, success tips, and everything, anything you can think of. Um, today, though, I'm so excited to welcome you guys, uh, to introduce you guys to Dr. Cheryl Williams-Jackson. Okay, so I got to give her a big introduction, okay? Because doc, Dr. Cheryl Williams-Jackson, or Dr. Cheryl, um, has been my mentor since November 11th, 1978. Like, <laughs> since the day I was born, she is actually my aunt. She is a professor and a mental wellness um consult professional you know um so a lot of you i hear a lot of people say how they love how i incorporate in my trainings and the way when i work with my clients how i how i incorporate psychology in it um or the human behavior because i have been a lover of psychology since i was yay high when i was in high school i was like debating between marketing and psychology then i took a psychology class in high school and i told my aunt dr charles like oh no <laughs> So, so that is why uh, she is an advisor to my company and um, I run a lot of things by her. So a lot of things I run by you guys is because I have a professor, professional, you know, <laughs> consulting me um, to make sure that I give you the right advice to guide you along the way to be successful in your career and your profession. Um, so today we are talking about, you know, with all that is going on, um, mental wellness during this global trauma that we are global you know pandemic i don't know if i should say global pandemic at the same time because it kind of the same thing <laughs> but i want you to introduce yourself i've given you an introduction but give our audience an introduction of yourself dr cheryl yeah so let's see um where should i start um yes my background is in um in clinical psychology um, and I also have a background in child development. So for many years, I taught child development and then started teaching uh, mental health and chemical dependency uh, recovery. And also uh, have served as um, not only a therapist, but also as um, an early childhood mental health consulting, meaning that uh, another way of saying a child psychologist as well. So I tend to, I try to give um, mental wellness to, I take a, what, what we'll, we'll talk about in, um, in a few about trauma-informed. I take a, a trauma-informed kind of perspective and um, my mental wellness conversations um, don't just center on those who actually need therapy, but for those of the, for everyone who's looking for, you know, to feel well, but to be, feel well wholly and meaning that your mental health is included in that. So that's my story, who I am. Um, oh, I have to say, I am a grandmother and uh, a, a mother also and a wife. I have to add that in there only because right now at this time, that's what's keeping me centered. Because um, quite often people are saying to me, you know, you just seem so calm about everything that's going on. And I have to tell them, you know, when 
when you're center, you know, when you, you have to go back understanding what your center is, or if you even know your center, um, then you kind of, you know, that wellness, it, 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 um, it becomes every day where you're working on it, but, um, it becomes something that you, um, are able to look to others to say, you know, help me when I'm stepping outside of this centered place, you know, help to pull me back. And so I can give you an example. One is my granddaughter calling and saying, you know, uh, hey, grandma. And I'm like, hey, hi, sweetie pie. What's going on? You're late. And I'm like, what am I late for? She said, our yoga. And so she's five years old. And she, um, because um, we try to meet on FaceTime to do some yoga. So that's a lot of centering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So let's get into, yeah. I, I love your analogy about, mental health and mental wellness yeah. and a lot of times we look at um the word mental health as a bad thing you yeah. know mm -hmm. and so i want you to explain before we get into you know deeper in, in topics what give us your theory on mental wellness and mental um illness yeah <laughs> i think that for mental health um we have to understand that we all have mental health uh, I don't care where you are in the world, you have mental health. Um, it's just like having your dental health and your physical health. We all have this psychological balance that we need in, in our lives. Um, I think what happens is this stigma happens where people think that if you start working on your mental health, that you're, it's, it's like acknowledging that you have a mental illness. Now, everyone does not have a mental illness. You know, that's something that's diagnosable, something that um, that affects our mood or um, our thinking uh, and the way we behave. Mental health, the, uh, so someone who has mental illness also has mental health, but it's, it's like saying everyone has a cold, you know, and we know that everyone doesn't have a cold, but we all have where we need to stay healthy. So everybody has health. And then when it comes to mental wellness, the way I look at it is mental wellness is um, understanding the importance and what is wellness for you, because it's going to be different for everyone. And it's this awareness that you have every day of how am I feeling and how am I feeling mentally? How am I feel? What's stressing me today? And do I know how to handle that stress? And if not, do I know how to find ways to handle that, that stress? And so that's my wellness is that every day you want to be well. And right now we, we definitely are, are um, focusing on, you know, um, physical health, but we also have to look, take a look even more so at our mental wellness as well. So all I hope right. that's your question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So one thing I really want to talk about, um, um, get into is I love, I use it all the time. So if you guys hear me say intentional self-care, I get that, you know, from Dr. Cheryl, you know. Um, and what we're going through right now, it's like all of a sudden everyone has had an overnight change um, and professional, should I say, let's go back to that, okay? Um, as career professionals, we're so used to separating our work-life balance, you know? And now it's been an overnight change for everyone. And so now all of a sudden it's like, work-life balance is 24-7 at home, in the house, you have your kids there, you're working from home, you're, you're, everything is at home. Yeah. And you don't get that time away to be like, okay, let me go have me a glass of wine to get away from the kids or anything, <laughs> you know, or you're on the computer and you're doing these conferences and everything. Yeah. Um, so how do, we've always had to, in, the, in our before normal life, mm 
Right. You have to practice intentional self-care. And you always say, take that, take time to breathe. You always mm -hmm. say, if you got to go in the bathroom, take time to breathe. Right. I want you to give our audience a little insight on how do we practice intentional self-care now that we're at home 24-7, you know, give us some insight on that and deal with COVID right now. Yeah. Well, let me let me start with um first saying that, you know, you're you're right with the, you started with saying that something is happening to us right now. And that imbalance that's being created right now is that our, our mental wellness is being thrown off and we're having to try to figure out what is going on. Um, and so for me, I constantly, I, I'm very much into what we call choice theory, reality therapy. And so I take a look at the five basic needs. And as I watch people and talk with people, what I'm hearing from them is that the imbalance is coming in our five basic needs. So those five basic needs I look at are, are fun. You know, we are being limited in what we can do in having the fun that we used to have. So for instance, for me, I normally have tea time and my tea time, um, you know, I can't go and meet with my, my friends like I normally do or my uh, happy hour time with my friends. Well, actually over the last three weeks, I've had my tea time and I've had my uh, happy hour. On Sundays, um, every um, every week uh, on a Sunday at five o'clock, I've been meeting on Zoom with my girlfriends where we sit with our glass, whether it's wine or whatever we want to drink. You know? But I have a particular room I go in for that. So that's my that's my me driving, you know, to, to meet them. Instead, I'm walking, but I'm walking into a room that, you know, normally I don't sit in that quite that often. Um, and so I just made that determination that that's what I'm going to do. I'm sitting in this room and this is where I'm going to meet as if I was going to. And so I call it cafe front room, you know. <laughs> I love that. And so like, uh, you know, and actually to this evening, I have another tea time that I'm meeting because I love drinking my tea. It's it's part of my me being comfortable is me having tea or something warm close by. And so um, this evening, you know, I'm sitting down and I'm just um, sitting and talking like we normally would talk. You know, I, I and I have to say that one of the things I normally do is the um, is the intentional self-care workshops where I'm trying to uh, assist um, professionals and even families to create um, the self-care ahead of time before the storm comes. And so, so yeah, so even though you don't have it created um, right now, I've been helping people to try to, you know, to be able to breathe and so they can find that clarity to know in this time, it looks like you're going to have to make a shift in the fun that you're having. So what does that shift look like? And so that's what the example I just gave, that's how I've made that shift. Another one is love and belonging. And so we're 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 so used to being like I'm used to being around my family. Um, however, right now I'm not able to be with them the way that I did yesterday. So today I have to create a new way of being with them. Um, so if that means, you know, like with my siblings, we um, we ended up again, Zoom seems to be on uh, FaceTime seems to be um, the place that we go. And we just met, you know, for about 15, 20 minutes just to connect. But even if we're not talking on the phone or on one of the um, whatever platform, um, even just texting each other, you know, every now and then, you know, I sent them something, you know, I love Erica Badu. So I sent them, um, hey, sisters, how you doing? Brothers, you're all right. You know, and they just started responding back. So even if it's just a quick check in, you know, so that the people that are in your life know that you love and you do belong. And just uh, I've been noticing my text message, people that 
you know, I connect with every now and then have just been sending little notes to me. And that actually warms my heart, you know, and so because I've been sending them out as well, just to say, you know, you're on my mind and that's it. So that's that love and belonging. And without, a, uh, oh, go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, okay. And without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt, our freedom has been limited now because we're sheltering in place. So we're not able to get out and about the way that we want to. And if we do, um, then the one of the other um, basic needs is survival. Um, we begin to think about our survival. You know, I'm going in the store. What do I have to think about? You know, um, do I have to, you know, make sure that I wipe something down that I normally don't wipe down? So now we have two more that are being affected by our, of our basic needs. And then just feeling like we have power over our own life right now. So one of the, I think that all five of those are being impacted right now by, um, by more people than usually. And, um, and the sources that we normally use to get um, support may not be there right now. You know, for instance, you know, um, I know a lot of therapists are now doing what's called telehealth, where they're going through the trainings. I was getting ready to ask, yeah. well, okay, maybe, is that the same as I was gonna ask, how, what do you feel about the, cause you know, now they've had um, the online where you can just do counseling therapy, I mean, yeah. with virtual. Yeah. Give me some your opinion on that. I think that it is something that we need right now. We definitely need it. We have to make sure that we're, and right now I believe that the uh, mental health field is doing a wonderful job of making sure that people are trained. You have several organizations and if you haven't noticed, people are just being so um, kind and opening. And so there's an organization that actually trained therapists who is offering the telehealth training for free right now to try oh, to get wow. therapists out there to be able to provide this kind, like we're on this platform, to be able to provide the therapy that's needed um, because we uh, we definitely need more of, of that. Um, I'm especially um, happy we have this platform because for doctors and nurses and those essential workers that are out there, um, and hopefully people are telling them that, you know, the service is also available to them because I think they will really need it um, because we have what's called that um, vicarious or secondary um, trauma that takes place. And if they're seeing, you know, a, a, I would say more than double of uh, the people, uh, the illnesses that are coming in and are more death, that they need uh, us to be able to meet with them in this way to kind of support them. Yeah. That, that goes into the uh, next topic. Um, yeah, the next topic I want to talk about or the next question I have, you know, I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have, um, with all the trauma, what two of the biggest states, should I say, that that has, that's been affected by this has been mm -hmm. New York and mm -hmm. New Orleans, or Louisiana, right. should I say. Right. And over the past years, unfortunately, they've had so much trauma to happen to that state alone. Um, you have New York who's dealt with 9-11 and um, New Orleans who's dealt with Katrina. And they're still, they're still really, believe it or not, trying to get over that. And then now they're hit with something else, another trauma uh, that is that that has hit their cities like way beyond you could even think of. So now you have, you know, th those who have families who may be hit with this more than once, you know, mm -hmm. dealing with that. Tell us how do you how how we deal with that? I think you call that what complex trauma or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit how to deal yeah. with that. And, which means that you'll you'll see people. You know, there's a possibility that you'll see an increase of cr chronic stress, and it's that that stress that can lead into what we call compassion fatigue, where we are the person who is the helper becomes um, 
so tired and that they have to try to figure out a way how to, you know, survive through the day and doing the job in the job that they loved yesterday to be able to still feel that compassion for it. However, there's this fatigue that comes along with it. And so that's why I, um, I, I think that when, you know, when the storm, I, I keep saying we have to refocus when the storm passes. And so, uh, and when I say that, I, I'll share with you that when I say that, I'm thinking about um, after Hurricane Katrina, because I was there after the storm to try to help teachers to be able to refocus. And so my mind is not just thinking about what's happening right now today and how we're going to get through tomorrow, um, but also how are we going to handle things when we all come back to what we call the norm for um, for our life. So I, I think that um, we have to acknowledge everyone who is considered in the helping profession. So let me give you an example of that. We don't hear that often, like on the East Coast, we hear a lot about what's called psychiatric rehabilitation. And so those are individuals who works alongside of the therapists and uh, alongside of clinical psychologists or social workers to support them when they're not doing the, the deep therapeutic work with an individual, that they are there to help people, you know, to have groups, to be able to meet with others, to have groups, to talk about what you're going through. Um, we have coaches. A lot of times I hear people um, speak negative about um, the coaching profession, which um, I think that we're definitely going to need them. And because it is a valuable profession to be in, um, as long as a person, but for all of them, as long as they are trained in it. And so um, um, I do a lot, a lot of times I do trainings with those who are going into coaching and um, we just always have to define what's your, I would say stay in your lane, but meaning that you stay in your lane, however, we're both working toward the same goal. You know, we're traveling the same road, but all of us have a job to do. So I think all of them play a role and we have to access all those services, all those wonderful minds and um, the experiences that people have and be able to say, how can we um, have them to come into the fold to be able to help us with refocusing ourselves? Yeah. Yes, I love it. I love it. You guys see she's very knowledgeable. Okay. Um, real quick, I want to read some of the we have people in the chat. Um, unfortunately, oh. you can't see the chat. Oh, so I can good. <laughs> Doug Lehman out there. I love Doug. He is the um, the king of video making. Okay. He says hi, Kenyatta and Dr. Cheryl. Hi. Doug Lehman's turn. <laughs> he says, "What is?" I'm trying to see Doug Lehman's turns, and I can't see the rest. So, okay. Um, but Doug Lehman says hi. Um, Jeff, he's Jeff is with me on um, Outbound. Outbound okay. has been pushed back. So, yeah. um, oh, it pops up right here. Okay. okay. There's Doug. <laughs> Jeff is with me on um, Outbound. And Jeff says, very important topic of discussion. Thanks for doing this. Oh, yay. I'm so glad. <laughs> you know, I think, Kenyatta, with that, um, thank you for saying that because I think that. Um, right now is the time we really want to get people to understand the importance of our mental wellness and uh, and try to reduce those stigmas so that people feel open to be able to seek out the services that are available to to them um, and find the resources. Because, um, you know, I always talk about 211, you know, um, to, for people to give 211 a call if you feel you can't find a therapist um, in your area. Um, 211 may have access to where the telehealth therapists are, those who have been trained and being able to make sure that your privacy is maintained, the ethics are in place, things like that. So I would say reach out to the 211. 
So I want to say, um, oh, and Michael is on, Michael Baldwin. Okay. <laughs> um, he says, thank you for your love and guidance. Um, and I'll get to your question in a second, Michael, okay? Um, I want to um, let you guys know. So Dr. Cheryl, she, um, she works with different organizations and the professionals within the organization, such as therapists, um, consultants, and everything. And she helps um, develop training or helps implement training practices to help you know further their success with their clients and their careers and things like that uh, and one of the exercises that i love that you talk about uh, for intentional self-care which is your breathing exercise and i was like i hope she said something about this like <laughs> what especially for those because i have my friends and they're like oh my god i'm stuck at home with these kids teachers need to go back you know where are you at come get your kids you know <laughs> what are some practices that uh, give us some exercises that you teach others to do in the middle of stress to just, you know. Yeah, I think one of the first things we have to do before even talking about deep breathing is uh, having a clear understanding of why. You know, when 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 things are troubling, we tend to deep breathe. You know, when we go, whew, you know, we deep breathe. <laughs> However, right now we have to start thinking of non-troubling or um, other situations where we can practice deep breathing. So I love taking pictures of um, just sceneries, you know, just of nature and whatever have you. And so um, oftentimes I will, like I've been doing is looking at those pictures and just finding a reason to just deep breathe. I've already said, I'm gonna blow one of my pictures up so that I can just see it because it just looks like a picture that says, okay, deep breathe now. And what I mean by that is every day we breathe, of course, because we're living. But what we're saying is that your body is just begging for you to give it some more, you know, and, and by intentionally doing that, finding times in the day, like I wake up in the morning and um, before I my feet hit the uh, hit the floor, I'm doing a deep breathing. You know, sometime in the day I figured out that, you know, I need to deep breathe right before coming on here. I did a deep breathe, you know, um, before I go to bed, because I find that it relaxes me uh, and helps me to go to sleep. I may deep breathe. And what I mean by that is it's a tool we carry around with us for trying for finding a way to help us to calm uh, ourselves. But also deep breathing helps us sometimes to kind of um, um, get this clarity that we need sometimes. So, of course, deep breathing isn't, you know, when you're blowing out, it's not going to blow your troubles away. What it's going to do is hopefully open up that space in your mind so that your uh, your emotions aren't taking over to be able to say, you know, I need I need clarity. And so I need a space for that to take place. And so the deep breathing is where I say, you know, breathe in through your nose for four. And I try not to tell people the numbers necessarily. It's a ratio um, because I don't want um, anyone to stress their the idea here is don't stress your body. You know, in other words, you get to blowing out and because you can't make it to eight, you're like, you know, <laughs> So what we're looking for is that you do it at the level that you can do it. And there's lots of apps out there to help out with the breathing. Um, so where you breathe in through your nose, and for me, I breathe in for four, for four seconds, and then I hold um, it in for about six seconds, and then I breathe out through my mouth, but I do this selfie, you know, you gotta get cute with it. And you're supposed to be practicing your with me right now, you know? Yeah, come on, let's try it, let's do it. You know, you do your selfie, but <laughs> what you're doing is, you're pushing it out and you're making the sound, but you're doing it slowly. And so you're breathing in through your nose. And you're holding. 
and then you're breathing out. And what I tell people to do is, oh, you're very cute there. <laughs> and what I tell people to do is, you know, um, because in the beginning, it may not be very calming for you as you learn the techniques of doing. Can you believe that? Just a deep breathe to learn the techniques to do it. Um, but one of the things, because it's now we're saying use it as a way to calm, you know, your body so that you can get this clarity and thinking. So one of the things that you may have to do, like for me, I love the ocean. And so I look at my breathing in as the waves coming into the shore and then it sits there. The wave just sits there. And then me breathing out is the wave going back out. And so that's what, um, that's the deep breathing. What I do um, each day is, and because the ocean is the thing that is just does it for me. My mind is always on, on, on that. One of the things I tell people, uh, if they find themselves going into what we call hypothetical worrying, and what that is, is when you're, you know, the what, what if, what if, you know, because right now we are on, in uncertain times. And so we have a lot of hy hypothetical worrying that's taking place. And what I tell people is to notice that if you're doing a lot of what ifs, take a moment just to breathe so that you can really begin to look at the, the control worries, worries, meaning what do I have control over in my life right now? Um, we have to remember we can't control other people. So me, you know, what if people don't stop going out and people, and so we can't flatten the the um, the um, curve, you know? Um, what so the the really the the control worry, you know, would be what's under my control would be me saying what am I doing, and who do I have in my circle that I can influence to do it also, you know? And so and so I would say that 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 switch. Deep breathing can help you to switch over, yeah, to to more of the what is under my control thinking. Okay. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So one thing I do want to talk about too is um, corporate employee mental wellness. Mm -hmm. you know, um, right now, a lot of companies they're just uh, they're just laying off people or even firing people, yeah. which is a lot of trauma. Um, in before all this happened companies needed to um, implement more mental wellness mm -hmm. practices. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to ask you, <clears throat> during this time that we're not in the office, but we're either working virtually mm -hmm. or um, some people are furloughed, how do companies um, react or how do they focus on when all this is over the mental wellness, but also in the now, even though they're not in the office, do you mm -hmm. feel like they're still kind of responsible for the mental wellness of their employees? Like give us some advice on that and some, probably some, in, you know, insight on what, you know, go ahead. I think that one of the uh, areas we really have to think about, and many of the organizations may not be trained on what's called trauma-informed um, um, practices, um, and so what trauma-informed is, it's our way of saying that, um, you know, we don't know who has experienced trauma. We don't know who has experienced um, chronic stress. However, there are ways for us, one, to educate our, our organization, but the other is to find a way um, to implement best practices that reduces the, the chances of us re-traumatizing. Um, so when I say that, what I mean is, you know, um, 
I don't know their organizations and normally I go in and I kind of assess and listen to what people are saying about where the stressors are. So like for instance, going into one organization and where they share with me that we have a hard time keeping our receptionists. And so, um, but they've never had, and um, when, when someone, an employee quits, they've never had an exit interview where they find out, you know, what is causing this to take place. So they're not seeing it from, from the perspective of the receptionist. But and I'm going to use a clinic, uh, um, a, a clinical setting, mental health clinical setting, where they're offering um, um, education or groups on um, anger management. But yet the receptionist is the one who checks them in. So if the person who they're coming to see me, who is a therapist for group session, and the receptionist is checking in them in, depending on how they're feeling, they may have you know be upset. They may be, you know, in other words, they may come in calm. They may be upset, but they don't know. All the receptionist knows is, oh, that's an anger management group going, who's about to walk through that door? I don't know. And so what we would say to them is, you know, as far as a trauma informed is let's talk to the receptionist to find out, are there any worries that take place when we have the different groups coming in or even individuals who may have, and remember, we're talking this part is mental illness, not, you know, uh, and so they may come in with some diagnosis and they're not trained to handle that. So what one organization did was that when their groups or um, a, a therapist was always close by to be able to help that, um, um, to be able to step in when the receptionist needed them to step in. So, um, so each time uh, a therapist or someone who was um, in, had been trained because it can be a therapist, but also we have um, um, chemical dependency counselors. Also, we have counselors, we have social workers, we have, you know, there are other uh, psychiatric rehabilitation specialists or psychosocial rehabilitation specialists who have been trained in de uh, helping to de-escalate things or to understand, you know, when someone is feeling um, who has become elevated, how to de-escalate things. And so what they did was they just had someone always to be close by um, when the groups were coming in, where the, the uh, specialists could step in if needed. That helped the receptionist to feel a little more comfortable with the idea that, ooh, somebody there that knows how to handle these things. But also they started including the receptionist in their trainings, you know, in the education piece on, on de-escalation, that it had to be a part of that job description that, you know, you go through training on what we call trauma-informed, becoming trauma-informed. And so trauma-informed is anybody and everybody, you know, um, goes through this in the organization, goes through understanding what that there are people that will walk into your organizations that you may not know how to, to work with. And so either you know you handle them, you know, in a way that is very respectful and um, meets their needs, or you know to reach out to someone to bring them in that's right there in your organization. But I mean, everyone gets trained. You know, when people say, "Do you mean also um, the people who are the custodian staff?" Yeah, everyone gets trained on it. Um, that way, now you can say that your your organization is, um, takes on the culture of trauma being trauma informed. And again, you may not know who has experienced trauma or chronic stress. The idea here is just to take precautions um, and have everyone already trained. Um, because I think we think sometimes that trauma will never walk through our door, or um, 
different personalities or different um, mental um, health or mental wellness levels will not walk through our door. We have to stop thinking that way and begin to say, we need to be trained in this, you know? So I think it's about reducing the stigma of even learning about, about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think going through this is going to open up a lot of eyes, you know, <laughs> to people because now the whole world has just went through trauma. It's not just you have someone who's going through domestic abuse at home and they come to work and then they, you know, you're not understanding why they're so angry or why they are slacking in work or lacking in work and everything. Wow. So now you're like, okay, the whole world has been through trauma yeah. and it going to make you start understanding why people react a certain way. Someone who's been to war, why do they react, you know, towards trauma and everything? Wow. Is that correct? Or Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for the organizations, they have to, you know, when, um, and again, I'm calling it um, refocusing when we when we return to what we call our, our, our regular life, um, organizations will have to take that responsibility to say for right now, we are going to provide the, the, the services to uh, our employees so that because, you know, you're, if your employees are um, functioning at the level that they need to be functioning at, your organization looks just that you know, good. So the idea is to, to give them the services that they need. Um, I'll use as an example when um, Hurricane, because this is how I came back and really got in, um, re came back as far as looking at trauma-informed and really getting into that work. Um, when After Hurricane Katrina, I was traveling back and forth um, because a, a friend was asking me to come back and help um, to, to kind of work with the teachers around social, emotional, and she uh -huh. says come back because she's from New Orleans. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, well, we're from New Orleans. <laughs> so to come back to Louisiana to do some training. So monthly and more than sometimes more than one time I was going back to, to Louisiana. And it wasn't just in New Orleans. It was in other areas. And I would work with the teachers and trying to help them to see that, you know, the children will come back and here are some of the things you may see. Here's what anxiety looks like in, in when it comes to children, because a lot of times we think that anxiety looks and depression looks the same for children as it looks for adults. However, you have to remember that children a lot of times do not have control over their life. Meaning, you know, if they're feeling sad and don't want to go to work or what they call school, um, they can't just say, you know, hey, I'm taking a day off, you know, I'm not feeling well. Um, sometimes their parents will say, well, um, you know, uh, you need to get up. You don't have a fever, you know, you need to get up and go. And so the children, a lot of times, you know, the direction is given by those who really love and care for them. Um, and so they put a smile on their face and they go and they do what they need to do. However, we have to remember that that's part, you know, that's why it's so hard to recognize for everyday people to recognize what anxiety and depression looks like in children. But um, professionals trained in working with children, they know how to recognize that. Uh, and how to check on it, I should say, to do the work to check on, to see if that child, you know, is experiencing some extreme um, stress or even some type of trauma. So I think that um, and, and in that situation, we ended up going back and um, the focus at the time was just on helping the children, helping the teachers to help the children. And so at the same time, I did a teddy bear drive where uh, my wonderful colleagues um, and students at the college where I work, they found out about the teddy bear drive for um, Hurricane Katrina. And so I would bring back boxes and boxes of teddy bears. And I mean, enough that I was able to, you know, give all of them, everyone would have a teddy bear to give out to their whole class when they returned. 
And eventually what happened is that the teachers came up to me and, and it, I mean, this is years later and still my heart starts doing this when I tell this story. Um, the, the teachers, uh, I remember one teacher came up and said, you know, I, um, I know you have a lot. Um, do you have enough that I can take one for me? And at first I just went, oh yeah. And then as they, each time I would go back, a teacher would say, can I have one for me? That actually told me something bigger that are we meeting the needs of the employee? And so I think at that point, I had to talk to the organization to say, what services are being provided to the teachers to help them to be able to come back and do what they do every day so well? You know, what, what are we giving to them so that they do not end up having um, compassion fatigue or experience, because they are gonna hear the stories from the children. There's no and buts about it. Children tell those stories through their play or, um, at, um, you know, throughout the day and teachers hear it, but to hear so many children and so many people feeling uncomfortable, you know, in that space, they need the support. So I think organizations are going to have to take the time and it means taking the money to say for right now, we're going to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to, um, some of the comments. We have Tracy Potts. They said word up. <laughs> Everything is uh, Michael Baldwin says, I was able to survive some horrendous, um, horrendous, I'm sorry, challenging situations with the help of deep breathing. It really works. Yeah. Jody um, L. Becker says, Hi, Dr. Cheryl. I've been leaning on your compassion, example, and intentional wisdoms. Um, a lot these days. Such a wonderful gift to see you and to see and learn from you this morning. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I want to go back. I had a question. I'm not sure if maybe you answered this. Michael asks, what advice could you give to families who have incarcerated loved ones yeah. who can't be seen or talked to right now? Yes, because they, you have those even in the nursing home. Yeah. Um, I had a friend just call me two days ago you know, her um, father was in hospice and, um, and she, um, we had, we had someone in waiting, but um, they left out, but she, uh, her father passed away and she was feeling, you know, some kind of way because she cannot, um, she couldn't even, you know, go see him before yeah. that. So tell us how, how do they, how do, how do we deal with that? Yeah. And I say we, because it's not just an individual situation right now. We are a world that needs to come together. As yeah. Well. And believe me, I've been, I've definitely been hearing uh, about the stories, especially um, as you talk about those who are incarcerated. I did talk with someone this week who, you know, was, uh, who's used to talking to um, um, their, their loved one weekly. And right now they're not, they haven't been in contact with them, which means that they're worried, you know, are they okay? And I'm sure that their, their loved one who is incarcerated is probably thinking the same thing, you know, is my loved ones okay? Because I can't connect with them. So uh, one of the things I would say is that, you know, one is call and um, if you can find a number to call and if, you know, and I know this is an if, because again, we have no control over people picking up the phone. Um, however, calling the, uh, the department um, of where they are incarcerated to, to kind of just ask questions um, or to send word to them um, or writing letters to them um, is another one. But, uh, and that pretty much as far as my limited understanding of what we can do in this and what we have control over, um, those are the two things that I have offered um, to the end of one individual that I did talk with, 
was that, you know, writing the letters and also, and if the letters are coming, if they um, come back to you, save them so that they all can go in. However, you have no control over, you know, them giving them the message or you getting messages back for them. So you're going to have to find a way to find what's in your control to be able to say, I can write letters. I'm not going to go into the what, what if, you know, um, but, uh, but definitely ask the institution, you know, when you give them a call, you know, did that my message reach them? Um, so I would say if you have their phone number, give them a call. If you know an email for, um, for the argument, for the, um, if they use email and I don't know if they do to send information that way as well, because I'm almost certain you're not the only one who's trying to reach out to your family members. Um, and then, you know, like we just had someone who had to have surgery, emergency surgery, and the heartbreaking thing was um, that they were not even able to go into the emergency, um, even in to check them in. Um, and so when while their loved one was having surgery, they just sat out in their car um, outside of the hospital. But the good thing is that before you leave or, or stop talking with the medical profession, asking them, how do I reach you? you know, to find out how my loved one is doing as they're going through surgery. The other thing that has come come through as well is, you know, individuals who have had people who have passed away and right now not being able to um, attend um, their services or anything like that. So I would say utilize the electronics that we have to stay connected with families. Um, I figure that if I just also one who did um, their child's birthday party, invited people to just come online um, at the time that their child would have been having their birthday party. I would say the same thing over here, um, the time that you need to be with your loved ones because you know you are, are grieving together, to just come on and only let it be a few people, but to check in with each other. But I think that seeing the faces, and so like I'm looking at your face right now, it becomes part of the calming, uh, the calmness, um, sometime. And so you decide who in your circle will help you to create that calmness that is needed um, at this time. So pretty much, and I'm sure I'll think of other things that can come up to help, to, you know, to, pro to, to provide people with um, support. But I think finding other people also, and going back to the incarcerated um, individuals, is um, for their family to try to find others who may be in the same situation that you can connect with. Because a lot of times the information on how to get through to people um, comes out in those groups. So I think that that's another thing is to make those connections, whether it's on Facebook, whatever the social media platform is that you use, but to be able to find those support groups. And a lot of times they give wonderful information also, those insights that I may not have. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so um, before we close everything on out. If you have any questions, write your questions down in, in the in the chat section. Oh, we do have um, a special guest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hello. What questions do you have for Dr. Cheryl today? Well, Dr. Cheryl, earlier you mentioned about um, people going through mental depression yeah. and things. And um, I know that there's a lot of people who live alone. I'm not one of them. Right. And uh, who is going through depression because they are stuck at home. Yeah. And um, one thing that I, I, I believe is that 
you know, sometimes you can go through depression, but you don't recognize it. You don't really recognize it. Uh, so if you could share some characteristics of of depression so that people can recognize it. And then if somehow we can, you can share uh, how they could access the yeah. help that they need. Yeah, thank you for that. That's a great question. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> And I think that um, for everyone, depression will look different. And one, I, I want to make sure that it's clear that um, your everyday or what we're going through right now, depression is different than clinical depression. And clinical depression, you know, you hear people call it a, a nervous breakdown. Uh, it's that debilitating kind of uh, not being able to participate in life. Right now, we may not know because we're not participating in life the way we want to. However, uh, I think it's that check-in with yourself to see, are you sleeping a lot? You know, are you, uh, is your, your, you know, memory a lot of times can be affected. Um, and I'm trying not to stay in with the clinical depression part because that's the part that we want them to see a professional to be able to diagnose that. So that I want to make it clear. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is the depression that you may feel right now um, because your everyday life is being in those five basic needs that I talked about are being affected. And so you feel like you have no control and no power over making those changes. Um, I, I really do. I think that before I get into some solution is, you know, if you're sleeping a lot, if you're feeling, you know, uh, and you can't figure out why do I, why am I so tired today? If it's not your, you know, a chemical, and, and, and as far as talking, taking your your um, medication or your vitamins or eating right, you know, I would, or if you're not eating, that's another one, uh, or if you're eating too much. So there's a range of things that I haven't even um, announced that could be a part of our everyday stressors that uh, and depression that's causing depression. So let's talk about that. If you feel that your wellness, the quality of your life right now has changed so drastically that you're thinking that you may have depression, um, that you're finding you're sleeping in bed, uh, staying asleep uh, a, a lot. What I would say to do is one, first do a check in with yourself to see where am I? Um, you know, as far as what do I see as far as major changes go just in my body? Um, do I need and then figure out, do you need to see a, an uh, actual doctor um, for this or do is there something that you can do every day to make that change happen? So I would say meditation, exercise. And when I say and I want to go back to meditation because I want people to understand that um, meditation can be because we get confused with religion and spirituality. And for me, meditation, anyone and everyone can do meditation. When I see someone praying, um, you know, that is actually their way of centering themselves is through their faith. Excuse me one second. <clears throat> so through their faith, they're, they're, um, they're balancing and finding their center. Oh, so sorry. Excuse me a second. Well, why are you taking a drink real quick? Tasha, Tasha Smiley Daly says, Dr. Jackson, have you read all those books behind you? Just curious. And regarding the books behind you, which would you recommend as best to deal with the stress some are going through now? So we'll go, we'll come back to that, Tasha. But to answer one of your questions, yes, she has just about. <laughs> I love but let's go, let's go back to what yeah. you're saying. We'll come back to that. Yeah. And so people, you know, who center themselves through their faith, you know, that actually is part of your, that is actually what you need in order to, to kind of find your center. That is important. And so, um, continue that. 
but there are those who do not find that to be in their center and you have to figure it out. What is meditation for you? So meditation um, for some people can be, every day I go and I water my flowers, you know, and that seems to bring calmness to me. I sit in my front room and look out of the window, pick a time, a particular time in the day to sit there and to do that. But I would say routines are so important right now so for me, I do not get up in the morning looking like this, you know, but I still get up in the morning. And what I do is um, I still get up at the time. I normally would get up in the morning. I try my best not to change my um, what I normally do. Fridays, I normally sleep late. So, of course, I still sleep late. I get up. I know that I start doing some work. So I do my work at the time that I normally do my work. And I don't come in the office after a certain time. I don't come in here. Um, I keep the door closed because this is right now. This is work. This is where I go to. And so for me, um, I don't want to come in this space because it's not my relaxing um, place. So I've just figured out how to find places in my house to kind of uh, uh, organize my life. And I think that's one of the things we can do. Exercise is another. Um, I am not a walker. You know, I don't, and in other words, not talking about the uh, living, you know, the with the zombie people. I'm not one of <laughs> But what I am is I'm someone who loves riding my bike because it brings me some clarity and relaxation. So I still find ways to move, um, to get my body moving where I'm not just um, binging on something on TV because I'm, I'm sitting at home. If that's not what you do every day, don't start it now. Don't start your binging now. Decide on yourself, you know, set your alarm to say, um, I am going to get up after watching the third or fourth episode. Please don't let it be the 50th episode. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're on Netflix, you're trying to get stuck. <laughs> Whatever it is, but that you're going to get up and your walk will not be, you know, to the refrigerator necessarily, unless you just, it's time to do that. But your walk may be to your front door. It may be to your backyard. It may be to outside um, of your uh, of your front door for for a few seconds for those of you who feel comfortable about stepping outside um, because I know I do know that there are some people who are not feeling comfortable about stepping outside um, and so you know you have to figure out what works for you um, oh let's talk about dance parties also so I I we had one on Sunday on on uh, Zoom with my uh, our grandchildren. And um, my husband tends to be the DJ, and um, and so we just dance together. And so, you know, it, again, it's about figuring out what do you have to change in your life right now in order to feel okay, so that that depression isn't coming on about the fact that life isn't, you know, um, or I should say, business is not as usual right now. So, what can you do? Yet, and also staying connected. Um, I would also say those who you haven't heard from to connect with them. If you haven't heard from them for a while, you know, um, for me, you know, so there are days when um, I, I, it pops in my head, wait a second. I haven't heard from my sister in a couple of days when I know that we talk often. And so I pick up the phone or, you know, or I text or I do something to make that connection just to see, are you okay? Is everything all right? Yeah, one thing I um I started doing, we talked about this, is um my love for art. Like with life, it took over me. And I kind of like pushed that to the back. So for a year, I've been like, I want to pick up the camera and start getting out and start taking, you know, life fit, you know, life um photos and everything. And 
because Atlanta has been so calm. And you guys, she's in California, okay? We forgot yeah. to tell them that. But oh, because yeah. Atlanta's been so calm and it has been so busy, I was able to get out and enjoy the nature before, yeah. you know, the, the, the serious lockdown. <laughs> I was able to get out and enjoy the nature. And I, I call it looking at life through the lens. Yeah. So I've created different, you know, um, pictures I've snapped and oh my God, it's like so amazing. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good thing. Um, um, so and I want to talk to you about, let me just say really quick, even just getting in your car, like for me, uh, I love the, um, and so I do around sunset getting my car and I may drive around and then come back home. But the idea is that, you know, I want to, I just want to see if my town is everything still moving. And, you know, in other words, in my town, the apocalypse has not come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so sometimes I need that because I decide, I actually decide, um, make that decision on who has, um, who I will allow into my headspace. And so what I mean by that is that I decide on what news I'm going to get and um, where I'm going to go get, to get that information. But also um, I decide on who's going to provide me information about what's happening and that things are still working. And so I've just made that decision in order for me to keep doing this work that I'm doing. And, and um, the person who asked, uh, um, Barbara, who asked about the um, about what he, as far as depression go, I actually have to make that that conscious intentional, I should say, decision on who I allow into my headspace when it comes to, you know, my own wellness. And right now, for instance, I don't allow, you know, the, a lot of the negativity that I do here that's taking place. I see it. So don't know, don't, don't, I'm not going to say that I don't know it, that I'm not woke enough to know what's actually going on, but I decide on whether or not, and when I hear that information, you know, so I don't hear it after six o'clock in the evening. You know, I don't go to the news sources that I use, but I do in the morning because I want to know what is happening, you know. So it's it, it's also taking control over this. Who, who, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Melanie Baru said, Dr. Oh, Jackson, yeah. you are amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Dr. Um, Cheryl Williams-Jackson, you can um, actually reach out to her on. She doesn't know that you guys, so. If you didn't know, also, I told you guys earlier, she's also my aunt, <laughs> which is why a lot of my trainings are, you know, uh, practices deal with a lot of psychology because she's been my mentor for umpteen years from, since birth. <laughs> but I'm also, uh, I, I just do her um, branding and marketing strategies. So I help her, you know, plan out things, you know, how we're going to do and whatever. And so she doesn't know that her website is now live. Oh, yay! <laughs> so you guys can catch her. Um, you can find out more information on her at wjdevelopmental.com. That's wjdevelopmental.com. She has three different, um, well, she trains in a lot of areas, but her um, main tra are the trainings that people are so sought after for, from her are is her social culture equity dialogue and we're going to have her come back on and talk about that but i just felt like today it was very important to discuss the social distancing and mental wellness with what is going on and she also talks about trauma-informed systems of care which is something we spoke on today and then intentional self-care yeah and let me so, uh, Go ahead. Let me just say with the social distancing, for some reason, I've just changed it to physical distancing, for, you know, and because of the fact that I, you know, we still need to be social. We need right. to Right. I hate that term, social distancing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's the physical yeah. part that we really have to understand, you know, in order to, to, 
um, keep us healthy is the physical part that we need. Yeah. Yes. Connect, so if you got, connect, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying connect, 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 connect with each connect. other. Connect. Yes. Um, so if you guys want to reach out to her, she is available for virtual trainings for uh, um, your 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 company, your team, um, professional trainings, right? To, yeah. Yeah. To, um, give us a look. What? How can? What? If they wanted to reach out to you, what? your services that you offer? Oh, well, you pretty much covered it. That's it. And right. so where I do, you know, the, the only other one that I, uh, you know, like for instance, I am um, getting back into doing the uh, the therapeutic part of it. And so going back in to do therapy work. Um, and, um, but I also um, started doing some family um, groups um, or uh, what I call family coaching. So when, in the, when there's an individual who has the diagnosis of what we call the mental illness, um, to help the family to become educated in understanding that diagnosis, but also to understand um, what does it mean for their, their loved one, you know, and so to bring them together to kind of have those conversations among themselves. But I have to say this, um, um, that one of the things I love about working with you is that um, you acknowledge and accept the fact that I am very much introverted and I love the fact that I am. And so just even this morning, I have to say, I, I started doing my little stressor thing and you just kind of went along with it and said, okay, I'll see you at whatever time we're meeting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, because you know, you know, I know my clients, and plus, you know, I'm introverted too. I just yeah. somehow came out of my shell. People are like, "What? No, you're not like you. If you know me, then you would know that I'm very introverted." But you, and then I know my clients, and then I owe it all to you because I understand people. Yeah, so and I understand how to deal with them. Yeah, and you know what our passions are. And so, a lot of times when people ask me that question, "How do you get in front of 400 people?" and talk at one time that you have to know I go through this process of my nerves. However, I, um, I, I have this passion for getting the information out, but I also have the passion for, for just being there for people. And so I think that's the part that make, helps me to walk and sit here and talk with you in front yes. of you. I'm so glad you don't have it where I see how many people are. <laughs> So yeah, you're in uncomfortable territories, which is a great thing, you know, because yeah. I always say it takes you to next level success. Yeah. And, you know, although sometimes you may fight me on it, you still go for it. So, <laughs> so you guys also, um, in regards to that, I just um, uploaded onto the website. You can find me on createthebrand.co. And I have my effective communications training on there now. And it's a self-paced training as well. So you can check it out. We'll talk about that, you know, in another episode. But every week I will be coming to you live on uh, Facebook and YouTube. So our audience is coming, is watching us on Facebook Live, which is on my fan page, Kenyatta L. Gordon, and on my YouTube Live, which is Create the Brand. Um, give us, before we check on out of here, <laughs> give us some inspiration. If you can give us one one little tad bit of inspiration that'll just make us say, wow, oh my God. Yes, oh, I well, um, before I do that, can I forgot to say about that we're working on trying to put together the refocusing after the storm. And so that's right. uh, that's that's right. people, if you, you know, if you keep an eye out for that, we do have something coming up around refocusing um, after the storm. Um, but I think, oh, wow, what would I, I give to you is that, uh, and the word hope just keeps coming up for me, you know, for some reason, but I don't know why, but in my mind right now, just hope and 
um, um, just keeping that hope, but also sharing it. Um, so I would say find non-troubling reasons to breathe, you know, and that's that hope. Find non-troubling reasons to deep breathe and just deep breathe and uh, um, help others to do the same. Yeah. That was deep right there. Just sometimes the simplest things can be the deepest, you know, <laughs> meaning to people. So that was very, very, you know, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> but yeah, I forgot to tell you guys, you know, bad me. Look, <laughs> um, she did, we are working on her um, training that she's going to do a virtual training for everyone to, like she said, that we that will be the end of April. So go on wjdevelopmental.com, um, subscribe to her newsletter so you can stay updated on the trainings that she has, workshops she has coming available for the uh, for everyone out there or to even talk speak with her about her doing a virtual training for your company um for yourself or your family you know she's that that she is that authoritative figure in that area <laughs> yeah, and i'll tell you i just did one that i was very excited about with a university on the east coast i just finished doing one um for them and um it was uh, it, it was nice to hear, you know, um, from voices across, the, you know, across the land, you know, which I call across the land because they're all the way on the East Coast. But just to hear from them about what they're going through, but also to be able to um, help them with, you know, what do you do right now for not only the students, but also the staff um, that are on their campuses as they uh, are going remote. So, yeah. So you're on my yeah. Yes. <laughs> you. Okay, guys. Thank you for joining me. Every week I will be live streaming with some more amazing professionals coming to you. Um every Thursday, I mean sorry, every Wednesday at two o'clock. So I know you don't have any look, we all stuck at home. So make sure you log on, subscribe, subscribe to the Facebook, Kenyatta L. Gordon, or subscribe to the YouTube, create the brand so that you can get in the know and create the brand, like I like to say, and, and breathe. And breathe. <laughs> and that is it. Thank you guys. Bye. <laughs>